knows that now in the light, the vanguard is here and they will be polite. The ruin is stirring, the cult's getting brash. Our heroes must stop in this hope and dash. Hunt all the retalents and give them the blade. Civilization they're trying to save. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Buckles podcast. I am your host and Dungeon Master Kevin. Going around the table, Shane. That's me playing Heradius, the human rogue warrior. And Hannah. I'm Hannah and I'll be playing Lieutenant Leander Fields, the uh, tabaxi ranger. And John. Hello, friend. I'm playing Mimu. And Blake. I am Blake, and I'll be playing Cinnamon, the Tabaxi Warlock. Alright, so last time on Dungeons and Abacles podcast, you found yourselves in the town of Birth after a uh, curse that you've discovered basically turned everyone in this town into mindless rage machines that were bent on killing each other and you. You were held up inside the sheriff's office where basically everyone around you had also been infected with this curse. Um, the morning came and you had called for help earlier and that help arrived in the form of the companion locks riding a huge brass dragon that uh, has basically set this town on fire and purging uh, all those infected in this town. Uh, just FYI, because the way you said huge, I am not picturing the dragon as thick. <laughs> Pick me, boy. John. <laughs> Locks explained to you I'm a chunky boy. this was a uh, magical curse that they believed that the Red Talons had created that was somehow tied to a broken claw of a green dragon with runes on it that you had found on this stranger that had came to birth uh, before this wedding. She also told you that this curse had destroyed two other towns and basically if these people aren't killed um, to stop them um, spreading the disease, they will die after three days because they're heart basically gives out because they can't uh, keep up with all the rage that's inside them. Um, you also learned that they only know of two ways to cure this thing and one is via a wish spell and the other is via a greater restoration spell. Um, resources on both of those are extremely limited just because there's not that many wizards uh, who are powerful enough to cast Wish and the component cost uh, for greater restoration plus having Priest powerful enough to cast it just isn't feasible. That is basically why they destroyed this town to keep it from spreading and to basically put these people out of their misery. She inducted the rest of your group here into the Vanguard. You are officially a special forces team known as Kraken Force 5. Uh, Leandra was promoted to lieutenant 
and was instructed to uh, promote a sergeant within her group, which she did in the form of uh, Heratius. She was also told that she now has the power to conscript. She says that there is a person in Merrillish by the name of uh, Peter Rhine, who is the uh, minister of trade there, who has been in charge of this investigation on the continent of Dolme. Um, she instructs you, you to go to Merrillish and talk with Peter Rhine and receive your orders from him. Um, last we left, you are left off. You were leaving the town of birth as it is in flames behind you. All right. So you are traveling from birth to Merrillesh. It's probably going to be about a five day journey for you. There is a main road here that goes through Forest Peak um, to Merrillesh. Is Forest Peak a forest or a mountain or both? Give me a history check. Can't even look at it. All right, fair enough. Uh, history. It's actually a place uh, where broccoli talks. Ten. Womp womp. It's Florid Speak. <laughs> With a, uh, a ten, uh, it's kind of both. It is surrounded by forest, and it is a uh, probably one of the larger or the tallest points here. Uh, on the eastern side of the continent of Dolme in the uh, country of Merrillish. But uh, when we say like highest peak, you know, this is barely a mountain. Oh my God. It's probably, oh. probably going to be cold up there, which means Lieutenant Leandre Fields, as a snow leopard tabaxi, can put her tail like in her mouth like they do. It's so cute. They, Did like, we cover just learn <laughs> It's so cute. Sounds racist. Never, you guys have never seen a snow leopard like with their tail like covering their nose. It's so cute. No, I, I don't really search out pictures of uh, ice leopards. Oh, I guess that's an uh, awful shame. Leopard. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> so uh, we'll say that. Uh, you... I just googled it real quick. It is adorable. <laughs> Uh, you go two days without incident on one of the main roads here through Merrillesh. Um, the roads here, not heavily patrolled, but they're fairly safe on the, uh, the main roads here because there are patrols that do go through about, uh, two and a half days in, you're going to reach the, uh, city of Forest Peak that this road goes through. It's a slight incline it's not very like steep but it, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and it's you know one of those where you know you could your horses are getting a little bit more fatigued and you have to take more breaks as uh, you probably travel 10 miles up this incline until uh you reach the the city of forest peak when you get here it's a pretty good vantage point of basically everything in this region you can even see as far as Kala um, because the most of the land here is flat and you're starting to enter some mountainous regions you can also um, from this uh, height see the uh, city of Merrillesh on the uh, horizon and water the uh, city itself 
probably you estimate maybe 10,000 people uh, that live here. Uh, fairly populous. You do know like their main trade here is uh, like minerals. They do have some mines, so they're mining iron ore and some copper. Um, they've also got uh, coal and timber products. It is ran by a uh, mayor and there's a council here. You'll discover that most of the uh, probably Mew Mew and anyone, anybody trained or uh, proficient in history? Uh, uh, that's minutes. Uh, also, Leandra. Okay, so you two would know that most of the, in the country of Marilesh, everything is ran by either like governors and mayors and councils. The country of Marilesh is very much a uh, meritocracy from the uh, the highest um, points in government to the lowest. So are you continuing on or are you stopping in Forest Peak or going straight to Marilesh? What, what time of what time of day did we arrive at Forest Peak? Uh, it's probably about uh, two o'clock in the afternoon by the time you get there. I say we should just keep on going. I mean, we still have what five hours of daylight left. The horses are tired, though. We should probably stop uh, for the night, refill our rations, give the horses a break. I agree with Lieutenant Leandre. Besides, we don't want to get caught up inside a dark forest or mountainous area or, or both. Just not a good place to get ambushed. Very well. Let's rest for the night then. All right. So, um, are you looking for like an inn, tavern? Well, yeah. Some place where we can bet our horses. Okay. So, uh, you ask around and, uh, most of the people here are kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, the blue collar workers. Most of them either work in the mines or, you know, work in the mill. And uh, you ask around, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah probably the, the best place and, you know, affordable is the uh, Cracked Witch. It's uh, about halfway through town. Can't miss it. It's this big purple building, about three stories tall. You make your way through town and buy or this uh, city and the city itself. There's not a lot of real estate like up here on top of the mountain, and you can see like uh, what appears to be the peak. Peak. There's like you know this fairly large house on top of it, and then there's uh, these uh, winding roadways or these streets that go through town that have kind of been built around the topography of this mountain. But uh, what would be considered Main Street that, you know, the road that you've been on that goes through town and that goes straight to Marilesh, um, you're eventually halfway through the, uh, the city, probably about an eighth of a mile. And you're going to see, indeed, this large uh, three-story building that's been painted this uh, dark purple. And you're like, uh, wow, that must have been kind of costly because that's... Uh, not a, a a common dye or paint that you can get. Damn. There is a uh, white sign out in front of it on a shingle that says uh, the Cracked Witch and has the uh, the likeness of a uh, basically a hag um, hunched over a cauldron. 
Well, maybe we should stop in there for a little bit. Hmm? I don't see why we wouldn't. Okay, so uh, you hitch your horses out front, and you're going to uh, notice, like, on the, the side of this thing, there's, like, a large vegetable garden that appears to be growing a bunch of uh, herbs and medicinal plants. So uh, you walk inside. Even for, you know, 2 p.m., it's a fairly sunny of cool day. Um, but inside, um, it's a little stuffy and almost like too warm from the uh, large fire at the uh, the back of the uh, room here. The inside is dark. Um, there's some oil lamps, and uh, the reason it's dark is most of the windows here are shuttered. There is a uh, human male uh, in his 60s uh, wearing a uh, leather apron and a uh, purple silk shirt uh, behind the bar of this uh, tavern. Uh, he's graying and has a, uh, a prominent bald spot that he's tried to come up coat, uh, come over with what hair he has with uh, some sort of uh, greasy looking oil. He sees you come in because there's not really anyone in here at this uh, hour and says, uh, ah, Welcome to the Grack Witch. How can I help you? We would like some rooms for the evening, if possible, plus a place to, to stable our horses for the night. Uh, we don't really have a stable, but uh, we've got a place out back where you can tie up the horses. Uh, it's got a uh, overhang, which uh, should probably keep them mostly dry, but I don't think it's going to rain anytime soon. And uh, for the rooms, yeah, we got plenty of rooms. Uh, Probably, uh, he looks around and he's like, yeah, got enough for each of you. That would be perfect. How much? Well, let's see. And he counts you, you know, four people and the horses and, uh, for the, uh, the rooms that, uh, just for one night, you see? Yes, just for the one night. Okay. So that, uh, that'll, uh, bring you about two gold. Uh, I could throw in the, uh, the mills and, uh, drink for you for three of that would be pleasing to you. That would be perfect. Thank you. All right. Got, uh, got a, uh, dire pig stew tonight that the, uh, missus is making. Uh, also get the, uh, we got some, uh, fish down out of the, uh, the river they brought up the, uh, the mountain. They's, uh, only about a day old. Um, still smelling good. Um, we could do that. Uh, it's, uh, it's a rainbow trout with, uh, some bodily biscuits. And, uh, we also got the, uh, got a cheese stew made with, uh, goat cheese and, uh, sheep's milk. I don't know about my compatriots, but the, uh, the boar stew sounds divine. That's right. Indeed. Uh, we did not get your name. My name is Cinnamon. Uh, these are my companions. I suppose Lieutenant Leandra here is in charge. But what is your name, good sir? Oh, you can call me Thomas. Thomas Bradshaw. I'm the owner here. Lieutenant, did you say, uh, what, uh, what military are you with? You don't look like a red shield. We're with Vanguard. Oh, <laughs> the, the Vanguard. Well, I'm, I'm much honored to have you under my roof. Be very welcome. Make yourselves at home. Um, I'll have the missus go upstairs and uh, change the linens for you. Bring up some uh, some water, and I'll have my uh, son take your horses round back. 
Well, thank you very much. Uh, we're here to please. If you would just uh, wait right here, um, I'll get that working for you. Um, is there anything I could get you to uh, drink while you're waiting? Um, I'll take a, a beer if you have it. Ah, uh, yeah. Got it, a nice brown ale. Make it here ourselves. Very strong spirits. Ah, yes, we've actually got some dwarven spirits. There was a uh, group of dwarves headed to the mines uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Bottled it for the for the rooms for the night. Excellent. I'll take some of that. I'll get some water. As you will. He uh, pours some brown ale out of a keg and then uh, in a much smaller glass uh, pours out some of these uh, dwarven spirits that he was talking about and uh, gets you some water. He brings it over to a, a table and sits down and says, uh, Here, be refreshed. I'm going to go talk to my boy and my wife and uh, we'll have your rooms and your horses taken care of soon. And he oh, gives we you have a, a... we have a cart with us as well. If you can just tuck that behind with the horses, that'd be fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. Coach. A, a coach, yes. And uh, he gives you a, a slight bow and uh, you see him walk out uh, the back of the uh, inn here. Uh, a few minutes later, you see a uh, woman who appears to be in uh, her 50s. Um, she's got uh, brown hair that's uh, starting to, to gray in points, um, kind of portly. She uh, walks up to you and says, uh, So honored to have you in, in uh, all in this night. Uh, I, I hope you have a uh, enjoyable stay. I'm, I'm, I'm just going up to change the linens, and you see she's got like a, uh, an arm full of like sheets and blankets that she's like holding low, but it comes all the way up to her chin, and uh, it looks kind of uh, comical as she tries to do like a slight bow, and the um, linens start to to move uh, away from her and to fall, and then she quickly corrects herself and blushes walks up the uh, the steps inside the tavern to the uh, rooms above. An about another minute later, um, you hear from outside that the uh, the horse the horses and carts are being moved. The woman comes back downstairs and uh, she says uh, after about 20 minutes and says, uh, the rooms are all ready for you. Um, please take your rest. Um, we'll be serving dinner sometime around uh, five, five thirty. I hear you want the boar. Is that correct? The well, dia pig. Yes, that that would be fantastic for at least me. I don't know about my compatriots. Good enough for me. Indeed. All right. Um. Well, I'll try to have that uh, ready for you right at uh, five o'clock as as best we can. Please relax. Um. If there's anything that uh, you need, either let me. Oh. Uh, I apologize. Uh, my name is Berthy, and uh, you've well, met my your acquaintance, Berthy. And you've met my husband, uh, Thomas. Um, yes, any, anything you need, just let us know. And um, she does like a like a slight curtsy, and then walks back into the uh, uh, the back of the tavern through a door, which you're assuming is probably the kitchen. Well, finally, some R and R in places that aren't outside. What's wrong with the outdoors, man? Uh, it is well, not as effective it's... to take a bath in the out of, uh, in the great outdoors. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to find some way to freshen up. 
And she's going to go back to her room and at the very least wash some of herself. Um, as you say that, Berthy sticks her head out the door and you kind of get the feeling she's been like eavesdropping on you. And uh, she says, bath, did you say? We can make that happen. Uh, we got the, uh, there's a bathroom up on the, uh, the second floor. Uh, it's at the end of the hallway. I'll have my boy bring up some hot water. You're fantastic. Thank you. It's all, all pleasure. About 30 minutes goes by and uh, you see um, their boy that they're talking about is a full grown adult man, <laughs> like in his 30s, apparently, that's still staying with them. He's dressed pretty roughly. He's got uh, mud and horse shit on his boots. He's carrying uh, three big buckets full of hot steaming water. And he kind of gives you a look and then like looks down, avoiding eye contact and uh, goes up steps. Um, you can hear the water sloshing into the, uh, the bathtub from above. And uh, he walks back down the steps and gives you a glance just and makes eye contact uh, with... Uh, you, Heradius, just for a second, says, uh, there's a soap and a brush up there. And then there's like this awkward pause. And then he looks back down and walks back out the back. I am going to make my way to my room. Okay. Uh, and so, take off my armor. Okay. So you walk up the steps and you notice, you know, you get to the top of these steps and then the steps turn again and they go up to a third floor fairly large place and it's kind of you know odd that they would be a place like this big and like nobody in it for a uh, city this size but you go to the the second floor uh, where they told you the rooms are you pick a room uh, you go inside and it's fairly nice it's about uh, about 10 feet by about 10 feet there's a dresser in it there is a wash basin and a uh, mirror um, that's made out of, out of bronze. Um, there is a fairly decent size, like full-size bed that has a feather mattress. The linens are clean, and there's two pillows on the bed. It's uh, pretty nice accommodations for what you're paying. Exciting times. Uh, uh, I'm going to take off my armor, uh, throw it on to... A chair in the room and then put my rapier inside my bag of holding which I'll keep on me and go okay. down what time is it at this point uh, at this point it's probably about four in the afternoon okay so, I'll just rest here until the lunch is ready both dinner all right Leander is taking a bath she gets all cleaned up I guess everybody else is just going into the rooms and chilling until dinner's ready actually uh, Mew 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 would you be up for a little uh, three dragon ante? I think I would, yes. Uh, do you prefer to bet or just for fun? Uh, just for fun. Wouldn't be good to end up owing money to one another, I don't think. Fair enough. We don't actually have to play, right? Because I think that would. No, be no, that's good. a long game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're uh, playing cards, an hour goes by, and. Uh, you hear uh, Berthy say, uh, Your dinner's ready. And uh, she yells from the bottom of the stairs. 
you make your way downstairs and she has laid out a spread uh, family style on the table here. There is sliced boar, and there's roasted potatoes and carrots, and there is this crusty brown bread, and she has uh, laid out uh, water uh, for each of you. Please, please dig in. Enjoy. Enjoy yourself. Just let me know if there's anything that you need. Thank you very much. Looks delicious. Sorry, I don't I know if it's... Oh, no, no, I'm talking out of character. I don't know if oh. it's the Talia part of my brain, but I don't trust this. <laughs> it's probably the Talia part of my brain, right? Uh, maybe. A grown uh, man, they call the boy. I don't know. Seems kind maybe of this, uh, Maybe this town's just going to turn into a reference to Tremors. Give me a perception check. Roof. I shall roll a perception <laughs> check. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so you dig into the boar. It is uh, nicely salted, um, as uh, is the rest of the vegetables. Uh, you finish your uh, meal, which, uh, if not fancy, was uh, very wholesome, healthsome, and uh, filling. The uh, owner, Thomas, is uh, going to come out about halfway through your meal and say, oh, I'm hoping... Uh, Everybody is enjoying themselves. Uh, please uh, enjoy this on me. And uh, he sets down a uh, green glass bottle uh, on the table and uh, pulls out these uh, uh, earthenware um, cups that are kind of on the, the small side, probably about the uh, a little bit uh, bigger than like, a, or a little bit smaller than like a rocks glass takes the uh, cork off the uh, green bottle and starts uh, pouring out uh, this liquid and says uh, uh, we've been uh, had this uh, brandy uh, forever and uh, any excuse to uh, take a little nip eh? and he hands it all out to you and uh, he says uh, I propose a toast to uh, safe travels and, and good journey for you all to say travels and uh, journey and all that, indeed. He uh, takes a sip of the brandy. I'll uh, I'll let you back to your meal. Thank you, kind sir. Puts the cork back in the uh, the glass bottle and uh, takes it with him and puts it behind the uh, the bar and then walks into the back. The pleasant couples these are. Pretty nice place. Uh, does anyone else want my glass? I'm not my. I don't really drink during. Uh, during a job, you know. Dibs on that glass. Your bottom's up, fellows. All right, so uh, you finish your meals, and uh, at this point, uh, it's about uh, 6 p.m. You're kind of here near the equator, so the flight is kind of consistent. You figure you've probably got about another hour and a half of uh, daylight. Uh, it is, the, the sun is starting to uh, go down a little bit, and you can feel that the there's more of a chill in the air here with the uh, altitude and uh, the changing of the seasons. Okay. Uh, can I go to the the barkeep, uh, well, the end owner? Thomas? Front? Yep. To miss... You uh, crack open the uh, the door to the back here because he's he's not out front. And you look in and 
you see uh, Thomas, Berthy, and their uh, son eating uh, a meal in the uh, fairly large kitchen here, but there is a table over in the uh, the corner where uh, they're having their meal. The boy or the uh, the son looks up at you, and then you see Thomas turn around and say, uh, uh, um, "Yes, is there? Uh, what can I do for you?" Sorry, I didn't mean to disturb. I'll uh, I'll talk to you whenever you guys are finished. Oh no, 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 no! It's no problem at all. And you see him uh, stand up and take his napkin off his uh, lap and put it down on the table and walk toward you. Yeah, I was just wondering if it'd be, it's a little too late to get a bath set up. Oh no, I'll I'll uh, I'll put my boy right on it. And, no rush, uh, thanks. You walk out and you hear like some complaints going on and and then uh, that gets a little heated for about 10 seconds and then it stops and then about uh, 15 minutes later you see uh, the boy carrying in uh, three more buckets of water that are uh, steaming as he walks by he kind of gives you the stink eye yeah I can imagine so uh, he comes back downstairs uh, about 10 minutes later kind of makes eye contact with you for a minute and then walks back into the back. Well, guys, uh, I guess I'll see you guys in the morning. Uh, what time do you guys want to head out? I say first flight. Oh, I didn't say why we wouldn't. Why not uh, breakfast first? Well, of course. I would uh, hate to leave on an empty stomach. Makes sense. Uh, I'm going to be upstairs taking a bath. Just ask them whenever they come out and uh, we can set out after breakfast. So uh, after about 20 minutes, uh, Berthy and Thomas come outside or come out to the uh, common room here. And uh, can uh, we get these plates out of your way? Are you, are you finished with your meal? Is there anything else that we could get you? Uh, there is one thing I had a question about. You said that a few dwarves stopped in. Did you by chance catch what they were doing? Oh, uh, yeah, they were headed up to the mines. Uh Looking for work. Must have been, I don't know, two months ago. Uh, these mines, are they known for anything in particular? Iron or copper or perhaps some sort of rumor? Oh, we've, well, there's a couple of mines. There's the, uh, there's the copper mine. There's a couple of coal mines. There's, uh, well, there was a silver mine, but that's uh, about gave out. I hadn't really heard much rumors. I mean... There was that uh, that one boy, and uh, that went missing probably about I don't know three weeks ago. Went up to the uh, silver mine and disappeared. But uh, probably either got lost or et by wolves. Are wolves common in this area? <laughs> oh yeah. We will have to keep that in mind. But this, thank you for indulging me. Oh, no, no, no problem. Uh, I'm a simple man. I don't know much, but I kind of got to get to the ground what's going on around town. But uh, it's pretty quiet. People here, uh, you know, they keep the nose to the grindstone and mind their own business and make the money and go home to the families. Indeed. Well, thank you very much for the hospitality. Uh, I think that we are ready to retire for the night, no? 
Ah, uh, well, uh, have a pleasant night, uh, Bethy, uh, she, uh, put fresh linens on the beds, uh, I don't have a, a library, but, uh, I've got, uh, a fairly decent selection of, uh, books, if there's something you would like to, uh, read. I know you're probably, uh, out uh, soldiering and on the road or whatever you're doing, you probably don't bring a lot of reading material with you. It's funny you should mention that. If you have books, I would like to see them, read them. That sounds like a very gracious offer, considering how books are made. Oh uh, yeah, well, I mean, they're not nothing fancy. And he leads you over to, like, this cabinet that's probably... Uh, three feet uh, wide by about two feet tall and uh, it's uh, currently covered and he opens up one of the doors and uh, you see probably about 20 books in here uh, roughly bound with like uh, wood and string they're nothing like fancy like leather or glued or anything Mm -hmm. like that Uh, you look through some of the titles and um, one of them looks like a local history. There's a couple that appear to be like children's books uh, to teach them to like read or like young young adult fiction. There is Twilight, a, <laughs> except uh, they're accountants. Yeah, in a world without magic. Uh, there is a uh, what appears to be a holy tenet book here for the god of Palor. And then there is some um, light, light fiction here. Um, some of the books that you've heard of, maybe you've not read. Um, one of them is a murder mystery. There's a couple of romance novels. There's even uh, a couple of history books. Yeah, uh, Cinnamon will take one of these books. Uh, I don't know which one. Um, they all sound pretty good. He wants the young adult. I don't know. No. He wants to read about Edward. No. Edward no, 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 no. no. So it's and about a young uh, vampire who uh, wants to uh, marry a young village maiden. Is there a copy of Lusty Argonian Maid? There is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess that makes the choice rather easy. Volume 1 or 12? Or is it a compilation? <laughs> So, uh, anybody wants a book, you can grab one to read. Everybody settles down for the night. Uh, just for reference, uh, Cinnamon is going to cast the alarm spell on his room. So if anybody comes in, he's casting it as a ritual. Okay. So you cast your alarm spell. Give me a perception check. Oh, actually, no, I don't have alarm. I forgot. I am not Juliet. Whoops. Forget about it. Uh, am I still making that? I was about check? to say books, alarm spell. What the fuck, man? I know, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm give me a it. perception check. All right, it's a natural one for four total. Okay. Um, the night seems to go by uneventfully. Uh, Leandra. Yes. Give me a perception check. Oh man. Um, Eight. <laughs> You have been on the road for a while, and this feather bed just feels so good. And uh, you take a local history book, and you lie down in bed, and you've got the uh, the candle burning, 
you've decided to turn in early and it's probably about uh, eight o'clock as the sun's going down as you lie down in bed and open this book and almost as soon as your head hits the pillow you're out uh, and your night goes by uneventfully Mew 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 is going to say a quick prayer to Bahmut and then go to bed definitely not reading a book an intellectual he is not okay uh, give me a perception check Come on, at least one of us has to get a good score. There we go. Ah, finally. 22! Right, so my first roll, 22. Okay. So your night goes by pretty uneventfully as well. Okay, then. Looks like none oh, of us good. had anything to worry about. I feel like we did. But probably around 3 a.m., you're going to wake up. Must be lonely. You're uh, kind of drowsy. And you kind of get the feeling that you're being watched, but uh, you light the candle and look around the room and there's nobody there. And you're like, well, I must have just been a dream or something. And then you go back to bed. Uh, Heradius, give me a perception check. 18. You go to bed about four o'clock in the morning. You're going to wake up from your sleep and you're kind of like in this lucid dreaming and you think somebody's in the room with you and you open your eyes and you look around and there's nobody in there. Can I roll a perception check to see if I hear anything? Uh, yeah. Well, that was kind of like the overall perception. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Um, so you all uh, wake up the next morning. There is the smell of uh, boar uh, coming from downstairs, and you know you're getting your stuff ready, um, packed up. Um, you're not leaving yet. You're going to go down for uh, breakfast. You start making your way downstairs, and Berthy comes out, and she's like, uh, "I'll I'll I'll have it out on the table for you uh, here just in a minute. Um, um, I hope you're okay with uh, boar. We we got we got to use it before it goes." Uh, bad you you understand but uh we'll, we'll also have uh we'll have some ball bacon and um some eggs for you um and some uh some greens from the garden um i'll have it out here in just a moment and she goes back into the uh, kitchen and about 10 minutes later uh her and thomas and their son uh bring out this uh spread out to the table that's family style They've, there's like a big bowl of scrambled eggs um, there's some sliced boar, there's some bacon, some greens that uh, appear to be like some sort of winter green-like kill. Please, please enjoy yourself. Uh, uh, what, get, the, get the coffee, Thomas. And he's like, oh, I almost forgot. And he goes back into the uh, kitchen. And a few mi minutes later, he comes back out um, with his hands full of uh, these mugs and a uh, big steaming pitcher of coffee that he pours coffee for everyone. I'm, uh, here, here you go. I'm uh, assuming uh, y'all be on your way soon. Indeed. Yeah, well, don't wait on us. Uh, yeah, you get ready to leave, just leave whenever. Um, just leave the plates and, and the food here and take your leave whenever. Um, we were very pleased to have you. Happy to stay. The pleasure was all ours. Thank you so much for your hospitality. It was amazing uh, we aim to please 
So you uh, eat your breakfast and uh, pack up. Um, you want to do anything in town before hitting the road? Uh, let me do a quick inventory check. Uh, I'd like to pick up about, is there a general store? Uh, there is. Uh, the general store is, standby, uh, the Survivor's Palette. Uh, it is, you ask around, and Thomas is uh, happy to help. Uh, he's like, oh yeah, it's just uh, right up the street. It's a uh, whitewashed building, can't miss it. There's big barrels outside. Usually some of the, uh, the older folks uh, hanging out on the porch telling stories and smoking pipes. Uh, I'd like to go up to the store. Okay, so um, you're leaving out of town and uh, you stop at the store and it is a, uh, a fairly large one-story building. It's whitewashed uh, with uh, this plaster stucco uh, kind of uh, on the outside of the here the uh, the, the walls. There's a red tile roof and uh, some rocking chairs out on this uh, front porch. And uh, you walk up on the uh, the front porch and there's uh, a um, older dwarf. Uh, there's a uh, human man who appears to be probably in his 80s uh, and then there is a uh, older halfling who uh, appears probably to be in his 80s or 90s all smoking pipes out on this porch and there's like this big barrel of peanuts that's uh, out here and you see um, like the uh, the old human get up take a handful of these sh uh, peanuts still on the shell and his uh, cracking them open and, and sticking the uh, the peanuts in his mouth um, that you can see from the shape of his mouth he's like missing almost all of his teeth and he's gumming these peanuts you walk up on the uh, the porch here and they're all just looking at you not giving you the stink eye just looking because here's something new uh, but they don't good appear morning. to be saying anything uh, I'm going to say good morning to them and walk inside yeah good morning Good morning. Good morning. And they all nod to you as you walk into the store. Uh, you walk inside, and uh, a lot of the, the stuff in here, it, it kind of looks like it was a furniture store at some point um, because there's, like, all these curios and cabinets and bookshelves, like, everywhere of kind of, like, this really nice, fine, antique, like, woodworking. Um, that's filled with all kinds of like just like oddities and 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 crap like everywhere. It's almost like you know someone has been hoarding all this stuff for like decades. And some of the stuff looks useful, some of it not so much. I mean, you're as likely to find you know a, uh, a plow shed or a hatchet as you are like a you know, a tattered doll missing one eye. But you look through here and uh, there's a pretty wide variety of, uh, of stuff that you can find in here. Is there anything particular that you're looking for? Uh, rations, a skinning knife, and I think that's it. Okay, so uh, you walk in Push. and there's a, uh, a man here. If, if the people outside looked old, this guy looks ancient. He uh, is bent almost like halfway over uh, with a cane. He has this long kind of skullet thing going on. 
but he's got it kind of like pulled back in a uh, like a leather throng. Um, he's wearing a uh, a white linen shirt and uh, this like ancient like you know cracked in places um, leather apron. And uh, he sees you uh, walk in. I can help you. Uh, yeah, can what do you happen to have any uh, rations available? Maybe a skinning knife. Yes, we got that. And come this way. And he starts moving, and it's like painfully, like slow, and it's like painful to watch as uh, he uh, basically is only like walking five feet, and then he takes his cane and like points it. Um, over to a side wall and you can see like the, the cane shaking and he's like we got jerky and flour and salt I'll get the knife for you and you see him uh, walk behind the, the counter and uh, you go and get whatever rations that uh, you want and put it into this uh, like these burlap sacks that they've got over there that you can use as containers and by the 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 time like the probably five minutes it takes you to fill up what you want figure out what you need and find it and walk back he's just now getting to the the back of this counter and pulling out a uh, a knife and he pulls out the knife and and sets it down it's a uh, it's a knife uh, like a skinny knife it's got like the uh, the hook blade to it and will there be anything else? Uh, I think that's it. All Five right. days rations. And the knife, that, that'll be... That'll be... One gold, five silver. You got it. And uh, you put it out, and he's, like, counting the money very slowly. All right, thank you for your business, honey. I will. Uh, I will leave. Okay. Uh, you walk out, and the uh, the same uh, old man still hanging out on the uh, porch here. Um, the humans like still eating peanuts and throwing the shells out on the ground. I'll give a nod and make my way back to the Kraken wagon. They nod at you. I'm all ready to go, guys. How about you? This is I'm the road. Ahead. All right. So. Uh, you take off down the road and uh, out of town. You're going to make it probably about a half day out of uh, Forest Peak uh, towards Marilesh and a uh, flash uh, thunderstorm pops up that uh, doesn't last for very long, but uh, it kind of comes up on you pretty quick. Leandra and uh, Cinnamon. You, uh, as you're putting up your, your hoods, you like touch the the back of your hair and you notice that there's like a pretty sizable like chunk of your hair that seems to have been cut that's foreboding my poor beautiful hair indeed what do you, what do you mean, mean what happened hair? it's been cut by some who knows witches what? witches you must burn them out probably probably witches or a mad barber. Or a really creepy adult son that runs a tavern. 
Yeah, he, he was pretty creepy. Well, that's what you get for not rolling high in your perception checks. Yep. Every perception check that you uh, you fail, you get uh, minus three square inches of hair. <laughs> Ouch. I'm bald. It turns out that, uh, what's her name, wasn't actually a red dragonborn. She was actually a tabaxi as well. <laughs> yeah, didn't you guys read the, the handout for this campaign? That was part of the perception check rules. Right, Kevin? Yes. All right, so uh, you... Are going to travel for a, another two and a half days and you finally make it to the city of Merilesh. As you come up on it, um, it's kind of hard to miss from uh, all the smoke rising from it, from the various chimneys and uh, manufactories and such. You don't really need a history check for this because uh, Merilesh is probably one of the, the largest and, and and more uh, well-known cities on Suel. Uh, the city here is probably at least 250,000. It is densely populated. If you look at the map here, um, you can see where there's like, uh, like the center uh, council building that you're going to. But uh, the city has kind of grown up in layers. So you have these layers of walls where there was like the original inner wall of the city and then it grew and then they built another wall and then it grew and they built another wall and it grew and they built another wall. So there's like this layered onion of, of wall defenses and like houses and neighborhoods within Merilesh. All told, there's probably about uh, four different walls here. Um, you reach the, the first outer wall. Outside of this, uh, the, there's this large uh, portcullis um, that is currently raised. Um, you can see traffic moving in and out of these gates. It doesn't appear that guards are hindering anybody, um, you know, while not like a stream of traffic, you know, there's probably um, five or six carts in front of you um, that you can see moving into the city as well as five or six moving out in the miles that uh, you've come closer to the city within like the, the past uh, 10 miles, you've passed several carts uh, coming down this road out of the city. The walls here are about 20 feet tall uh, and made out of uh, limestone. There's these huge towers uh, that extend probably about 50 feet up in the air all the way around uh, um, in spots around these, uh, these uh, walls. As you move inside, um, you could kind of hear like the, the din of the city um, from the outside, from probably about a half mile away, but once you get in here, the the walls have kind of acted like a like a noise break, and when you enter the city, like it gets much louder from where the the sounds being trapped in here by the walls. You move through the first layer of gates, and this housing, while looking newer, is kind of uh, on the poor side. Not exactly slums, but um, cheaper construction. 
Um, you move into the second wall and the house is here a little bit older, a little bit nicer um, until you get into the main wall of the city. This is called the forecastle. You get inside and you could see the tops of the council building before, but uh, now that you're on this road and all the gates have been open almost the entire way, but at this point, you've probably got about a quarter mile from the inside gate uh, to the council building. Even with the, the traffic out here on the streets, uh, you're getting a good look at it. And the traffic on the streets uh, here is uh, kind of heavy. There's been some congestion with like people pulling off to various businesses and uh, you know moving through these intersections. Um, the streets here are uh, very nice. Um, they are paved with cobblestones. You look down some of the side streets, even those have been paved with gravel. Um, you're not really seeing like uh, dirt streets like you have in some of the other cities. But as you make it all the way up to the council building, you will see um, how the houses so far have been like densely packed in here, especially in the uh, the the forecastle district here, the the basically the the um, the center of the onion of the city here. Um, the houses are much older. A lot nicer but they're really tightly packed almost all like up against each other in some alleys that you've looked down like the alley will only be maybe about two feet wide so you make it to the council building and whereas the rest of the city has been densely packed um, there's like this large green area and park um, that has been uh, laid out here out in front of the uh, council building. You're going to see people from all walks of life, from uh, nobles to merchants to, you know, probably factory workers and serfs. Um, they're out here playing in the park, enjoying the uh, the cool day here. There's these very tall uh, trees that are giving some shade on spaces in the park. But uh, you roll up on the council building. There are um, six guards currently out in front of it. But uh, as you pull up, they see your markings of office and they just give you a nod. One of uh, what are called the, the Red Shields here, which is basically like the fighting force of Marilesh, comes up to you. Um, he has the markings of a sergeant that you would uh, recognize, Leandra. Welcome to Marilesh Vanguard. May we take your horses. Oh, that would be And lovely. our coach. And yes, your please. coach. And uh, coach near the horses. He motions uh, for two other guards to uh, come over and take your horses and your cart. They'll be over here in the stables when you come for them. Thank you. He, uh gives you a salute and he walks back to his post here in front of the council building. I guess we should go talk to that guy, right? Naturally. That's why we're here. Yes, let us uh, find the, the target of our goal. Th that sounded terrible. Let's go find the guy we're supposed to talk to. <laughs> Alright, so you walk inside the, uh, the council building and you are not 
shocked but kind of surprised that there's actually like a directory of offices on a board out here in the uh, the main hall and you look through here and you see a office for uh, Peter Ryan Ministry of Trade on the fifth floor Let's head up there all right so uh, you climb uh, five flights of stairs and then enter this uh, large grand hallway that's probably about 20 feet wide uh, that has marble floors um, there's these nice uh, wooden benches on either side of the hall up against the wall there's several doors you walk about halfway down and you are going to find a door that says uh, Ministry of Trade. Do we knock or simply go inside? Can Knocking, I believe, is light. I'll knock. All right. So uh, you knock. You hear from inside. Come in. We so you open inside. the door and go in. Yep. Open the door and come in. All right. So, so you go inside and there is this, uh, you walk in and it is a very nicely furnished office that's probably about um, 20 feet by like 20 feet. It has these high vaulted ceilings. There's these uh, uh, red embroidered carpets everywhere. Um, there is uh, leather furniture, uh, couches and um, love seats and chairs. Um, there's this large ornate desk in front of you that has uh, bronze uh, gilding on it and behind the desk stands or uh, sits a man uh, who appears to be maybe in his mid 40s uh, he's human uh, he has the short uh, salt and pepper oiled back hair and a penciled mustache he looks uh, fairly well in shape he is wearing a fine navy uh, silk shirt with a um, matching coat and he looks up and says uh, yes may oh may I help you Vanguard yes we were sent by oh god I already forgot Locks. her name Locks uh, she said that we were to report to you what I'm pretty sure that's what she said yep Locks said you were to report to me Mm, for what? Hookers and flapjack. Well, I do enjoy hookers and flapjacks. <laughs> you know, Notice I didn't my... use the voice. So that wasn't in character. <laughs> that checks out. She sent us here for information, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah, sent you there to, to work with him because he is the person on this side of the continent who is working on this investigation into the Red Wrath. All right. I'm going to tell him that. Okay. Sorry. I literally forgot because I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> that checks out. Oh, I see. Well, could use uh, some experienced uh, investigators who know how to be discreet, shall we say. Please, please come in and have a seat. Uh, we'll walk in, and as, as we sit down, I say, how discreet are we talking? Someone who can follow orders and keep their mouth shut. Ah, yes, I can do that. 
good. And uh, he uh, gets up and he's going to walk over to a cart and pull out a pitcher and pour what appears to be some wine into a glass and says, would anyone care for wine? Uh, yes, I would. Thank you for the offer. I suppose so, yes. Pass, thank you. So uh, he pours out some uh, wine and hands it to you all and goes and sits behind his desk and says, uh, so what is it that you know? It is a oh. madness that spreads like a plague. Yes, only what we have seen and been told um, that once it is contracted, it is very difficult to remove. I would say impossible. Well, not impossible, but by standards of resources that we have available, it might as well be. And what do you know of Pyrrhith and Wormfield? I believe they've been destroyed to contain this contagion. Yes, much as I hear birth was. Yes, sadly. Were you at birth? Indeed we were. Tell me, how did that go down? It couldn't have gone worse. Would you care to elaborate? Have we managed to save the sheriff? So there yeah, were so survivors? At least one. Yeah, uh, they had a wedding in town and uh, it kind of just spread like wildfire until uh, Lox and the uh, the dragon came down with their uh, their group of soldiers and purged it out. I suppose it's for the best. Those poor souls. There was no helping them and the only thing that could have happened was it spreading further. So Lox has sent you to me, so she must trust you. Come. And he uh, takes a drink, like a long swallow out of this wine, and sits uh, his cup down. And he walks to the, the room and opens the door and walks out and motions for you to follow him. I will follow. Yeah, we follow him. Yeah. So he... You follow him, and he leads you all the way to the basement of this place down six floors and um, down here um, it's uh, there's some oil lamps but it's kind of dimly lit you walk down this hallway and at the uh, the end of this hallway he knocks on the door and you hear this coming and he opens the door and you walk inside and you're going to see a tiefling um, with dark red skin and a uh, woman, human, dressed in uh, robes of Paylor. Peter says to them, We have more resources that need information. The tiefling waves for you all to come in. You come inside and you couldn't hear it uh, before entering the room, but you are hearing um, screaming now inside and as yeah, you look inside the room the room is basically just stone you see a wooden door with a small 
like opening about eight inches by six inches with uh, like two steel bars uh, in the center of it and it appears to be that's where the screaming is coming from you look in the room and the tiefling and the uh, the human are standing around um, this table and you see what appears to be a broken dragon claw similar to the one that you saw in birth that you gave to locks and there's another one uh, that appear to be whole um, they appear to be uh, examining in this um, when um, you interrupted them uh, you look around the room and you're going to see a bookshelf um, with um, not a lot of books on it it looks like it was brought in to like start storing like journals and ledgers and some books you also see some alchemical equipment inside the room but what's kind of like getting your attention uh, is the screaming coming from behind this door and uh, the tiefling says ah, <laughs> uh, forgive me you kind of we kind of like tuning out after a while and the tiefling walks over to this wooden door and there's this like wooden slide that covers like this opening and slides it shut across these steel bars and the screaming gets much softer the tiefling says uh, who do we have here Peter and Peter says you know what I, I forgot to even ask their names um, Lieutenant, please introduce yourself and the the rest of your squad here. Well, as he said, I, my name is Lieutenant uh, Leander Fields. Uh, this is uh, Sergeant uh, Heradius. We have Mew Mew and Cinnamon. And uh, I see you are from the uh, the Vanguard. And uh, by your presence here, I'm guessing that you are investigating the the Red Wrath. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, come, come. And um, she motions you to uh, come forward uh, towards the table here. I will come forward. All right. Um, so you all come forward and you're looking around the table and the, uh, the tiefling says, My name is Terrell. I am an, an archmage here in Marilesh. An enchanter of no little means. And this here is Sari. She is a priest of Pelor. Sari, who is this, uh, um, she is probably in her late 30s. She has got like this uh, blonde hair and a braid that um, parts of it have started to go gray. So you're, it's kind of like part of it's gray, part, part of it's blonde. Um, she's dressed in these um, cream and gold color uh, um, vestments of Pelor. Terrell, the tiefling, uh, says to you, We have been studying these these talons that would have found at the, the scenes of these, these terrible crimes. As you can see, this one's broken. As far as we can tell, when it is used... It breaks. The curse is there, expanded from the item onto the victim of the person who is cut with it. 
As you can see here, and she points to the other one, this one is whole, but it was not found this way. Between me and Sari here, we have been able to repair it. You can see that, you know, one's broken, one's whole. We are intending to fix this other one, but it has been uh, freshly used, shall we say. And she nods to uh, the door where the screaming was coming from. And uh, Peter speaks up and says, uh, we've, uh, we've been studying these artifacts for uh, weeks now. Unfortunately, in order to be able to study the effects of this, we've, uh, we've had to infect some people. Mind you. Say what? Mind you, mind you. They are condemned prisoners, so their wives would have just been wasted at the gallows. At least now they serve some purpose. Did they at least volunteer for this torment? The lives were forfeit. It does not matter. Hmm. What, lost your taste for blood already? Uh, let's continue. Yes, yes, let's continue. Terrell, uh, begins again. As best we can tell, this is a, uh, a magical curse. What do you know of blood magic? Basically nothing. nothing. Uh, how much do I know on blood magic? Can I make an arcana check? Pretty much nothing. Uh, are you trained <laughs> in arcana? I am trained, and I actually have a spell that uses blood. Okay. Give me an arcana check. A 13. Um, this, like the spell that you have that uses blood, is not really considered a blood magic. I think that's like an enchantment or conjuration. Yeah, it's conjuration. Okay, so okay, you you have like heard like whispers of like this whole other like school of magic that's like outside of conjuration or enchantment. Um, even with like your your limited since you're a warlock and not really a wizard, uh, but you have heard of uh, this. Um, nobody practices it. It's you know been a banned practice for. You know, probably since before the times of uh, ruin, just because of the way that the magic. Well, the chantry works. keeps a close eye on it, keeps mages from getting out of hand. Uh, it's it's pretty bad news, and if you're practicing blood magic, I mean, some necromancers would seem like respectable. <laughs> In comparison to like someone who who is a practitioner of blood magic. Oh jeez. And I was just making a reference to Dragon Age. That's that's all that was. Uh you like explain what you know of it and Terrell says, uh yes, most of that is true. It is it's it's a banned school of magic and and the practitioners of, of, of such things would are evil on a on a totally different scale. Any time that it is has popped up, and we've been able to discover that it is uh, being quashed, there are some reserves of of this knowledge uh, in some magical libraries, uh, mostly at the Isle of Insight, where, uh, in order to study this, we had to make a special plea to the. Uh, 
the tower in order to obtain some books on it just to be able to know what we're looking at and what we're doing. As far as we can tell, this currency is some sort of, of blood magic, which would also explain the dragons in the manner of uh, which they had, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, do, do, are you aware of the of where these claws came from? The green dragon. Or yes. at least one green dragon. But uh, more specifically, two green dragons from the Great Salt March, as far as we can tell. Uh, spies in the area uh, have been able to discern that uh, at least two juvenile green dragons were killed for their claws. Um, the manner of uh, which they were taking from them was uh, very messy and corresponds to uh, this one very, very nasty blood magic spell as uh, far as we've been able to discern. So we know of, of three claws now, which there could be at least... 29 more out there which is that's uh, it's very very bad news if if there's the possibility of 29 of of these could be enchanted and made to cause the damage of which they've caused and what are also concerned catastrophic yes and, and I also be the case that they may be searching for more. Peter's gonna speak up and say, uh, hmm, which gives me an idea. So far, our investigations have come to a standstill as we have no new leads other than birth, but it seems that that is a dead end itself and any clues probably have died with the city. So the only thing that I can think of is we probably need to stake out the source. We know they're going after green dragons. Perhaps we can beat them to that. Kill the green dragons ourselves, you mean? No, I'm not saying that. And Terrell speaks up and says, Yes, they would uh, probably not go well for you. No, no offense, I... I'm not first in what you're capable of or your, your power, but I mean, a green dragon is nothing to trifle with. And Peter says, to that end, perhaps you should go track one down. Perhaps these blood mages or red talons or whatever they may be, may be haunting these dragons for their claws. Terrell's going to speak up and says, uh, well, we do know that the these other dragons that were harvested were in the Great Salt Marsh, and perhaps you could find one of the more powerful ones and find out where the others may be hidden. Perhaps give the dragon a uh, a warning. Siri, at this point, speaks up and says. Uh, I'm actually from that area, and I don't know of many green dragons, but I do know of Sissa Skillion. She's 
ancient. They call her the Sly Scourge. She's located south of, uh, I believe it's Sunshine and the Great Salt, Salt Marsh, towards the, uh, the northwest of the swamp. She may not attack you on sight, and perhaps if you bring her an offering to smooth things over, maybe give her a warning, perhaps seek information on other green dragons in the air. They're quite territorial, you know, and they don't like each other. Maybe she'll willingly give you the information to expand her territory to get rid of perhaps rivals in the area. Peter speaks up and says, I think that is a grand idea. Lieutenant, are you willing to take this mission? I believe we are. Great, great. So, you will travel to the Great Salt Marsh. You will find this Sisiskillian, this sly scourge. Warn her, perhaps get information on other green dragons in the area, and seek them out to see, number one, if they've been attacked or killed, and number two, perhaps give them a warning as well, to be watching for anyone coming to harvest the harvest the claws. And Siri's going to speak up and says, "Now, Sister Skillion is a sly one. She's very tricksy." Be on your guard around her. Well, Peter. from now on, she's Trixie, the stripper dragon. <laughs> Peter, is there anything that we could give them as a, let's say, peace offering to give to Sister Skilly? Perhaps. I'm sure there's something we could find. Terrell speaks up and says, uh, Well, it seems that that is settled. Is there any questions you have for uh, us? Do you just want us to kill? Do you just want us to kill on sight whenever we run into uh, poachers, if any, or are we uh, trying to capture them alive? I think at this point the information is the most valuable thing. Another dead body added to the pile will not help this investigation. And Peter says, "Yes, I think that it's for the best. If you can capture one, two, or as many as you can." Or at least the leader who may have some information. Capture them and bring them back here for interrogation. Good enough for me. Accommodations will be made for you. Please uh, stay here in the city this night as we get together this peace offering and any supplies that you may need. As well as uh, alert uh, the Archmages in Vaughn that you shall... uh, be arriving tomorrow via transportation circle. And Siri uh, says, uh, I'll also write uh, everything that I can think to recall about Sister Skillion and perhaps do some research at the libraries here and uh, perhaps be able to glean somewhat of a more narrowed down location in the, in the marsh to give you a map. Um, I'll Work through the night and have that for you tomorrow as well. Sounds good to me. Indeed. Well, if there's anything else, Peter, we are in the middle of something currently. Uh, we would like to get back to work. Peter says, oh, oh of, of, of course, of course. Um, Vanguard, if you would follow me. And uh, he opens the, uh, the door 
and walks back out into the hallway and motions for you to uh, follow him. Uh, we'll follow. Or at least I will. And yeah, we'll follow. So you make it out into the hallway and says he says, uh, so I will uh, work on those preparations. Um, until then, the city is yours. Visit the quartermaster at the Red Shields. If there is anything that you need, weapons, armor, food. I believe we also have a small collection of magical items that uh, I would be willing to lend you in this endeavor. Yeah, let's go check that out. I mean, thank you very much. We will we will <laughs> gather our supplies and, and be prepared in the morning. I would be... I. The city is yours, and you can choose whatever accommodations you wish, as there's a fine selection of taverns and inns, but I would be honored to have you stay at my estate. That is also where I keep my my personal armory and my items that I previously mentioned. That would be lovely. lovely. Thank you for the invitation. Just, well, wait a moment, and uh, you, uh, you're up currently on the uh, the first floor now as you walked up the steps and he gets some uh, stationery that's sitting out here with uh, you see it's got the symbol of Miralesh on it and the uh, there's also um, you know from the offices of blah 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 or council on it and he writes down an address for you and says uh, this is my address you can arrive here anytime you wish I will probably be at least another five to six hours in getting this prepared. But until then, um, you are welcome to my estate and my servants. Just hand this to The more to he my... talks, the kinkier this sounds. <laughs> Just give this to Come by my... anytime. You can use my servants. Give this to my uh, footmen and they will attend you. And uh, he Thank hands you, so you uh, the stationery with his address, and um, it says whatever they need, and then his signature on it. How official. I mean, it's not quite the harbinger, but, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> this guy's got very, like, I've hit my character concept and, like, my head cannon for this guy is uh, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. See, I knew he was evil. Ah. I've never seen Game of Thrones. It's also uh, An incredibly manipulative piece of shit. This little finger. Uh, you haven't done a single insight check on him, so he's on the level as far as you know. Anyway, yeah, I think that is probably a pretty good time to end the episode right there. Hobbiton. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling size favor, give us a 5-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclespodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. After a long day in the fields or the mines, all you want to do is visit the tavern with your mates and relax. You need an L that won't fill you up, 
or empty your purse. Ask your barkeep for a Conley Light. It's made by master dwarven brewers with the finest ingredients from the Plains Nation. It's a refreshing crisp ale that will quench your thirst. And you can feel good about drinking tankard after tankard without that full feeling you get from other L's. So you can keep going all night. For better times at a better price, Conley Light. The music you heard on this episode was Long Road Ahead, At Rest, Teller of the Tells, and Tempting Secrets by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0.